Welcome back to Travel Support Thursday. We told you we'd be in Sydney and here we are. Yep. Today on Travel Support Thursday, we're answering all of your questions about eSIMs, Aerolo eSIMs, how to make them work, what it's like to travel with our friends, how to plan a trip to Europe for four for free, and this new trend called mystery trips. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Let's Can't get wait into to talk it. About that. <laughs> all right, what's our first thing today? All right. Okay. Let's talk about Aerolo. So we got this question from take to the highway.com 3152 yeah. great username and they say hi guys i love the way you explain things at a level i can understand that's very nice of you to say um i would love it if you would talk more about the eSIM. i tried purchasing airlo but never could get it to work the instructions were horrible agreed and kept telling me i needed to change all these settings on my iphone so i scrapped it so everyone else seems to make it look so easy so we get this question all the time not just from like people on YouTube, but from our friends and our family and we just kind of everywhere. We them through this whole process. So we thought, let's do it live here. Yeah. So we're just going to do this live. We're just going to buy a new eSIM. We're heading to New Zealand in a couple of days anyway. So we're just going to buy that eSIM right now, show you the entire process from start to finish. And for those of you on podcasts who are just listening, we're just going to describe everything that's happening. But if you want to see it, come over to YouTube to check it out. I think the first thing to check here is whether or not your phone is compatible with eSIM. So one, your phone has to be unlocked. And if you're not sure if it's unlocked, just like look on the internet for is my phone unlocked and it'll tell you how to check for whatever phone you've got. And two, whether your phone has eSIM compatibility. So if you have any iPhone made in like the past three, maybe four years, definitely eSIM compatible. And if you have an Android phone, I think made in the past five or six years, all of those are going to be eSIM compatible. So if you keep saying this word eSIM and you have no idea what we're talking about, quick primer for that. It's just a little piece of software that replaces that little chip that you used to have to put in your phone. You know what I'm talking about? The little SIM card that you'd like AT&T would give you or whatever and you'd it into your phone. And Sometimes you use a bobby pin or an earring if you have one spare. <laughs> <laughs> right, to pop it out. Yeah. Instead of that, what they figured out is that you don't actually need that little chip at all to connect to cell phone carriers. You can just install a piece of software and then bam, you'll be able to connect. And what Aerolo does this service that we're talking about is you can buy an eSIM for any country on planet Earth and it'll get you a data connection no matter where you are. Some places are better than others for, for sure, sure. Mm -hmm. but for the most part it's been it's been pretty handy. I think we used to be the kind of travelers that whenever we got to a new country we would get off the get off the plane, search around for physical sims at the airport or look around for the best deal, but Aerolo has made it so much more easy because you don't have to go looking for a physical sim and the prices, while they may be a little bit more expensive than a physical SIM, they're pretty comparable, maybe by a dollar or two more. Yeah. It pays I, for the convenience, I think. Yeah. And in Australia, for example, it was about half to a third of the cost That's of true. actually buying a physical SIM. So it depends on where you go. Yeah. But it's great. The convenience is the number one thing you're going for. You don't have to ask anyone or give anyone your passport and you can get cell phone data anyway. Here we go. Enough of that. All right. Let's okay, get so started. I'm recording. I'm screen recording on my iPhone 12 mini, which as it turns out is a very rare phone because it was really hard to find a phone case for this, but this has eSIM compatibility. So I am opening up the Aerolo app. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, they're offering me $3 off your next eSIM if I refer you. Wow. It says, hello, Lisa. So you'll see once you download the Aerolo app and you open it up and sign up, all these popular countries are listed. We're but searching for New Zealand. We're going to New Zealand. Yay! And search New Zealand. These are all the different options that you have for eSIMs. So one gig of data for seven days is $4.50 US, which is Sweet. pretty great. Yeah. Two gigs for 15 days is $8.50. Three gigs for a whole month is $11 USD. 
So we're going to be there for about three weeks. And I'm imagining we're going to need a little bit more data than most people because Mm -hmm. of the podcast and different things. But for the most part, we use data, I don't know, to get around. Three gigs will do it. Yeah. I think three gigs will do it. Okay. So I'm going to pick the three gigs for 30 days. Click buy now. And they will, of course, try to upsell you with any top-up packages. Know that whatever you buy, you can always top up later if you run out. So you'll choose your payment method and you can use your Visa, credit card, anything like that. You can even use Apple Pay. You agree to their conditions and their policies and you complete the order. Okay, so that's the easy part, right? Like giving them the money is the easy part (laughs) for sure. And now we're going to show you the actual, now we're going to show you and talk through the installation of the actual piece of software that makes it work. What I usually do is scroll through and click install eSIM Mm -hmm. and that will tell my phone to activate the eSIM. So basically, as soon as you install it, that means your 30 days starts now. We normally buy that eSIM the day before we leave or while we're at the airport before we get on the flight to actually head to whatever new country we're going to. We're doing this one a couple of days in advance just to show you how it all works, but generally that's how we do it. And as soon as you activate it, that's when your like countdown timer starts of how many days you've got. But it's so cheap that if you run over or you run out of data, you can just like top it up with another $10 or whatever. Yeah. Way cheaper than the other option, which is paying like 5 to $10 per day for Verizon data on their international plan. So right now we're seeing the activate eSIM screen, which is built into whatever operating. It'll look different if you're on Android or not, but you just click continue to activate the eSIM and then it'll just take a little while to activate. So it looks like it's been activated. Now, I usually try to take a a screenshot of this access data step two. the, the eSIM is pretty good at finding the network that you need to connect to as soon as you turn it on, so you don't really have to do anything. But it's nice to have this information in case you need to change any settings in your cellular network setting. It says network is up the waz. Uh, that's I just the name that. of the network. You don't have to set anything with that, but the two things you do have to do are set the APN, which is just a little piece of information that you just put into your cell phone settings that we'll show you in a second. And then you have to turn data roaming to on. What we're going to do is we are going to head to the settings app. All right. And then we're going to head down to cellular. Tap on that. Scroll. Look at how many eSIMs I have. Yeah, scroll down to your new one, which is called personal. And you can rename it to whatever you want. So I'm going to rename this to New Zealand. And then in the settings here, you're going to see a cellular data network. And remember how we had to change that. So tap cellular data network. Great. And global data, and then check that that's correct from what was in the app. Yeah, it looks like it, global data. So then you're all good to go there. And then all you got to do is tap on data roaming, a little box at the bottom, and you're done. Woo! That's it. So all you got to do once you land in the new country is click into the one that you want on, and then make sure that it's turned on, turn on this line, and then make sure that you go to the one that you don't want on, and you just turn it off. That's all you got to do. And then the one eSIM is on, the rest of them are off. And then you'll just be using the data that you purchased on Aerolo instead of the super expensive roaming data that you might have with whatever your normal SIM card is. Hopefully that makes it more clear for you. Again, if you wanted to see all those instructions, just come on over to YouTube and you'll be able to see that step by step. I hope our vocal descriptions were good enough to get you there. Next up, uh, a little bit about future planning, a little bit about our lives here. So you quit your job to make a YouTube channel, but this is barely covering your costs. Stings a little bit. Stings a little bit. I mean, correct. Correct. That is very accurate. Out of curiosity, how do you plan your future? Big question. Very big question. Um, 
For instance, any plans to grow the family or while you're doing the YouTube channel, are you saving for your retirement? Or are you just living present time without further planning? There's a lot to unpack here. And sometimes I only can think three hours ahead at a time. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is good, though. This is good. It's helping us think actively about the future. Yes, I'm glad we can talk about this. I'm glad we can talk about this in front of a camera. Here. <laughs> in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Okay, so I think objectively yeah. this is kind of talking about risk in our lives, like how much risk we want to take on and what we're actively doing to try and mitigate those risks. Sure. Let's, sure. Let's speak in, in, in more simple language. I would just say people are just asking, how are you, how are you doing this? And how are mm. you planning for the future? If you're actively not making money and saving. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So I would say, first of all, when we were working our jobs a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. uh, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point, pre COVID, when we worked a bunch, we saved up as much money as we possibly could to give ourselves as much runway as mm -hmm. we possibly could, like like monetary runway, mm -hmm. to be able to do this life that we're doing right now. Uh, we just cut out everything extra that we possibly could. We didn't even have a car for a very long yeah. time. Cut out everything extra that we could just to save up for this one thing and at the time this one thing was actually just quitting our jobs to travel for as long as we possibly could we weren't even thinking about making a youtube channel at that point yeah and this was like 2019 and i think we were also fortunate enough at the time to be at jobs where we could siphon away money for future retirement and future savings mm -hmm. we worked at larger companies that had 401ks or 403bs so that way when we were saving in our personal lives for this trip, we were also saving for future retirement. So yeah. the, the nice thing is, I guess I feel a little bit better after last week's conversation because I know that we have spent a significant amount of time before this stocking away for the future. Future, future. Future, future. Yeah. Double future. <laughs> so we took all that money that we had saved away, which is enough at that point in time for like we stocked away like $70,000 or $80,000 yeah. that we had saved up for a ton of years. Like both of us independently before we'd even met, we're saving up money. We didn't really know what for. And mm -hmm. then we were all of a sudden like, now we know what we want to do mm -hmm. after we met each other and fell in love. And then, mm -hmm. so then we took that money, which was enough for about two to two and a half years of our normal living. Cause we generally don't spend that much money. Just normally in life, we spend like 25 to $30,000 per year just existing. <laughs> So, which seems like a lot, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I think that's low for yeah. a lot of people. I, I don't know, know. <laughs> like, yeah, for two people to be to be out there. Existing. I don't know. So, so we took that money and we had a couple years of runway, and we thought, all right, we're youngish. We're gonna try to do something different with our lives at this point in time. We're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna try something. Yeah. So we thought that that thing was going to be travel and then COVID came along and totally destroyed those plans. And we're like, instead of that, we're going to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> and we're not the only people to have had that idea during COVID at all. <laughs> Thousands of channels started over COVID. So yes, we quit our jobs, not necessarily to make this YouTube channel. That wasn't the original intention. No. But we did quit our jobs without intending to go back to work soon like mm -hmm. we had thought when we left our jobs that we were going to go back to work at some point but it was going to be a couple of years after our runway that we had saved up would run out well well yeah. <laughs> yeah so for the past like three years since we started this channel for two and a half of those years 
YouTube was covering basically none of our costs. Yeah. Absolutely zero of them. But I think that that's normal for any new business venture that anyone would start. I think YouTube has a slower uptake than probably like opening up a cookie shop or something (laughs) like that, right? Like you can immediately sell a product. It's tangible. Yeah, if you have something. I mean, it, it takes a while to come up with the branding and the idea and maybe get a kitchen to cook into or whatever. But I think the uptake for that sort of business is faster than YouTube. And I think YouTube is actually one of the slower businesses to see revenue out of in any real form. So we knew that this was going to take a long time and probably longer than most other businesses. And I don't even know that we decided until maybe the end of year one that we were going to keep doing YouTube and try to even turn it into a business, right? Like we started this thing as a let's take a one year honeymoon. Let's document our travels. Hey, YouTube's pretty fun to do it while we travel. And maybe we can share some tips and tricks along the way. Maybe we can help other people travel along the way. And then I think around the end of year one, we thought, hmm, this could this could go somewhere. And so I think to answer the question of are we actively saving? No. No. <laughs> no I no. mean, we, we were fortunate enough in our past lives and our past jobs to have been able to save some, actually a chunk, for retirement in the future. But right now, we're cutting into the non-retirement savings to try and make this business work. Mm. You know, it was certainly a risk Yeah. to start this thing under the assumption that we'd make any money off of it. And to be honest, we're fully surprised that we are. (laughs) I would say it's still pretty baffling. It's exciting and baffling that we're in the position now where this is our full-time jobs. What? We get to sit here? In front of that thing? In front of the harbor, under these beautiful trees, looking at the skyline and the water, podcasting and making videos about yeah. travel. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's hard to explain how lucky we feel without sounding like pandering. Yeah. You know, because I think it can very easily come across from that of like, oh, yeah, we're so like, but genuinely, we feel like this whole thing is crazy. This and is it's not- all just kind of happened very recently. Yeah. All of that to say, you know, to answer this question a little bit more concretely, while you're doing YouTube, are you saving for retirement? Are you just living present time without further planning? I think it's more the latter. Mm-hmm. We have definitely planned for the future in the past, luckily. <laughs> but currently we're living presently and and we've decided to kind of go all in on this YouTube channel and this business with the hope that eventually we'll be able to save in the process. It's important to note that right now, no, we are not currently putting away any money for retirement. Yeah. We don't make enough money to be able to do that. We're just, we're almost, we're at the point now where we're almost covering all of our costs, including like the cost of making these videos and the equipment and the editing and everything else yeah. that we have to do and our cost of living, living at, at home, home and just existing. So between the two of those things, we're like losing a little bit of money every single month, but we certainly aren't like making a profit from any of this yet. Yeah. The hope is that someday we will. <laughs> and I think for now, yeah, it's a weird it's weird to think about that now because past Lisa, pre YouTube, pre travel Lisa was very risk averse, very much like sock things away, don't spend what you don't have, always have tons and tons of room for you know for emergencies, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we don't. We do. Luckily, we're fortunate that we do. But in this present moment, we've decided to live very presently and say, this is what we're focusing on. This is what we're going all in on. Mm-hmm. 
or I think starting a channel like this and freeing up enough time to actually make it work, I think is a higher risk undertaking than most people would be comfortable with, yeah. with their personal finances. Yeah. And we're also in a unique position to even be able to consider it like our family is healthy. Yeah. For example, we're healthy. We're generally healthy. People. We're yeah, generally, generally healthy people, right? Like we yeah. had pretty good jobs before that allowed us to save up enough money to even give this a try. Yeah. We even had the opportunities in the beginning to even know enough about computers in totally. the first place to even give this a shot. We yeah. had fast enough internet connections. We don't take any of that for granted. Yeah. You know, you can't take any of that for granted. That's such a leg up in so many different ways that allowed us to really give this thing a real shot mm -hmm. that I think without any of those, this would be obviously a very different story. Yeah. A very different story. So for now, yeah, this is our current future you know we're we're gonna keep doing this we're living in the future <laughs> we technically are for those of you that are oh, in yeah. the US. we're in tomorrow <laughs> it's looking pretty bright look uh but yeah for now this is our our plan we are going to keep traveling and making these youtube videos making these video podcasts answering your questions and give somebody else a trip around the world in the process that would be cool we're Someday. not we're not there yet so we're just kind of taking it day by day until we do get there Whew, that wasn't so bad talking about the future. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Every time I bring something like that, I'm definitely more of like a future planner, I think, between yes. the two of us. Every time I bring this up, Lisa just gives me like the, Give oh, me like oh no, are we talking about the future? Prepare, please. <laughs> right. And she has to be in like the right mood to talk about this. I don't know if any of you guys have someone in your life like this where you can only have real conversations when like, the sun is in the correct position <laughs> or like the phase of the moon is right or just like it's been a quiet calm morning and now we can have a real conversation i you have know? had to have I, I would have had to wake up already check my instagram feed at least three times brush my teeth have my coffee right there's this breakfast. whole ritual there's there's a lot of different things that that you know I, I need to see the sun feel it on my skin for a little bit and then we can talk about anything past today <laughs> <laughs> okay all right moving on this question this is a question i have been waiting for Ooh, yeah. for so long for so long okay janeller 6321 says uh you asked for a specific travel need question yes we're taking our two college kids on a cruise in june awesome have plenty of time to book but hoping to figure out the best way to use points to figure out where to fly from or to Need a cost-effective way to get from San Antonio to Europe and back in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. We're going to find something. We're for sure going to find summer something. Summertime in <laughs> Europe. We've all been there. Yep. Cruise leaves Barcelona June 22nd, ends in Athens July 6th. Have a, hundred, have a few hundred thousand chase points and 200K Hilton points. Looking to open another card in a couple months. Open to positioning flights. Awesome flexibility is always appreciated. Traveling by car, train to leverage a cheaper airport. But basically, the onus of this question is how do we get to and from Europe, hopefully for free or as close to free as we possibly for can, people. for four people next summer so we can make it to our cruise? And I have been waiting for this question. I have I, just I mean, been. As soon as this came up, Josh's face, I wish I could. He was, he was the party emoji. He was <laughs> the party like, emoji. Like, fine. yes, this is the one. Finally, you get to go into the matrix. <laughs> this is this is what I've been waiting for. Okay, so I'm just gonna do this live right now. I'm just gonna connect to. Uh, do you have a Airlo? Yeah, can you turn on your <laughs> that new Airlo <laughs> eSIM we just bought? Turn that on, and I'm just going to connect to that. And I'm just gonna do this live, and I'm gonna talk through every single step as soon as Lisa's done taking a picture of this pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were gonna have an audience. 
Okay. Sorry. Okay, so turn on that hotspot, and I'm just going to do this thing live. Okay. I'm going to talk through all of my thought process of how I think about this, of how we actually make this booking work, and then hopefully, at the end of this, we will have found you the perfect flight. I break this down into three distinct steps here. One is narrowing it down. So this is taking the idea of like, okay, we could look at every single flight by every single company doing any number of hops, and we're going to narrow it down to just the handful of flights that we want to investigate further. Sure. And then two is going to be matching those couple of flights up to the points that you have available to you and the companies that you have available to you to book with. And then third is going to be deciding on which is the best one to go with. Mm. Okay, so where I'd start here, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see a big like screen share thing. If you're just listening to this, I'll describe it in as much detail as I can without hopefully getting overwhelming. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start with Google Flights on the Explore tab. And what this does is this allows me to search from one airport to anywhere in Europe for nonstop only flights. And we're going to search for nonstop only flights because those are generally the cheapest to get using points. Hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Generally. Not always, but generally. And are we looking just to like see how much things cost or just what exists? Yeah, we're looking to see what's not booked out already, and Google Flights will tell us that, right? It'll tell us what's availability. The price is kind of secondarily important to us. Mm -hmm. We're mostly looking for what flights exist and which companies run them. Got it. That's what we're trying to figure out. Okay, so we're looking for San Antonio to Europe, let's say like June 14th to July 10th next year. It's just a couple of days on either side of what you wanted. And filter by nonstop. And, okay, so there's literally no nonstop flights from San Antonio. Whoops. So we're probably um, not flying directly out of San Antonio. So you might be driving or taking the train. Are there trains? You might be driving or taking the train. <laughs> Having a friend drop you off at the A friend airport. drop you off or maybe taking a small connecting flight from San Antonio to maybe to Austin or Houston or maybe Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I think any of those we'll probably be able to find something. Okay, looking next, Austin. It looks like there's a flight from Austin to Frankfurt on the dates you want. London is via a British Airways flight, like actually operated by British Airways, which means it's going to have super huge award fees. And this is just something that I know from booking a lot of these in mm. the past. A partner award flight with British Airways, which is spending British Airways miles to book a flight with one of their partners like Iberia or American Airlines. So essentially transferring your points to book on a different airline? It's not transferring them. You are spending British Airways miles. Mm to book a flight on a different airline. Didn't know you could do that. And they allow this because they're all part of the same alliance. There's like One World, which is the alliance that we're talking about right now. And then there's also Star Alliance, which is United and Singapore Airlines and a bunch of other airlines. And then there's also Star Team, Star Sky. And then there's also Sky Team, the Delta one that I don't book very often because I don't really like Delta miles because they're not really all that valuable. Anyway, moving on. That's the basics of a, a partner flight, and that's probably what we're going to end up doing. Back to Austin. You can fly to London. You can fly to Frankfurt. We're going to ignore the London one because it's on British Airways. The Lufthansa to Frankfurt is interesting, but generally those are kind of expensive flights. So let's see. This Virgin Atlantic to London could work out because we're not on British Airways, right? We'd be just on Virgin Atlantic, and that would have less fees. That could be interesting. Okay, so let's look at Dallas. Bring that up on Google Flights. Okay, there's a, a billion options here, right? There's direct American Airlines flights because it's a hub, but you don't have a good way to get American Airlines miles right now. Um, there is this Iberia flight, which I find very interesting because that would get you straight to Madrid. Mm. And that's right next to Barcelona. So you could just take a train over there. That's kind of convenient. 
You could take an Air France flight to Paris. Croissants sound good. Tons of options. Okay. It looks like we got some good options. We're going to move on to Houston. Load that up. Okay, yeah, there's way more United Starlines. And there's a Singapore Airways flight? Who knew? Why does Singapore Airways fly from Houston to Manchester? Yeah, normally (laughs) when you think of like Singapore Airlines, you think, oh, they're going to and from Singapore. Yeah, or other Southeast Asian (laughs) places. But that one's cool. I I learned something here. That is a great airline. It's a direct flight. Oh, they're awesome. They're awesome. Okay, so I think like narrowing it down in my head, the most interesting options that I see are this Dallas to Madrid on Iberia. Because I think that'll be pretty cheap on points and there won't be a lot of fees this austin to frankfurt on lufthansa this austin to london on virgin atlantic and i just want to see what's up with that houston to manchester (laughs) flight just to see if it exists okay so now we've narrowed it down right we've narrowed it down from every flight on planet earth to just these four flights that we want to look into okay right so now we got to figure out roughly how much these things are going to cost and the tool for that is called award hacker Okay, so what Award Hacker does is you'll pull it up and you'll type in where you're flying from, where you're flying to, and then it'll just bring up every airline's award chart and it'll tell you how many points it would cost with that airline. Okay, so it looks like 30K from Dallas to Madrid on Virgin Atlantic. That's very mm, interesting. 30K, that's pretty good. Not bad, not bad. Uh, there's also British Airways option there. Cool. Um, 32,500 on Iberia. I think very interested in that one. There's this Dallas to Paris on Virgin. We might want to start there. That seems kind of good. Um, Austin to Frankfurt doesn't look like a thing. Like, that's really 70K points. I think that's outside of how much we want to spend. London has potential. And that Singapore Airways flight, it's hard to tell. We'll just have to check that right on their website. Okay. So we know roughly that we're looking between, like, thirty to 50,000 points per person. To be able to get there, which is great because if you have like 200K chase miles, chase points, we'll be able to get you on one of these flights. Okay. All right. Let's start with that Virgin Atlantic one. Now that we've narrowed it down, let's start with Austin to London for that short drive time. And then we're going to check on Dallas to Madrid after that. So anytime you're searching for flights by points um, versus like by just cash or money, um, generally these airlines require that you sign up for an account with them to log in to actually see how much these flights cost by points. And signing up for an account doesn't really, doesn't cost anything. It just costs you an email and a login. They might send you some emails every now and then for marketing purposes, but it is your way to kind of just log in and see, hey, how much does this cost by points? And anytime you book with them, you're accruing points. So we actually have quite a long list of- yeah, Every airline in the world, basically. We, yeah, <laughs> accounts with these airlines, just so that we know how much these um, flights cost. Yeah. All right. So we are on Virgin Atlantic site now. Type in Austin. Oh, howdy, Austin. <laughs> hey, they knew I was coming. Knew I was coming. Okay, I'm just going to log in real quick. All right, June 14th, July 12th. Okay, yeah, that flight is there, but oh, my God, those fees. Those fees Eesh. are brutal. Okay, so we're seeing this flight for 40,000 points per person round Which trip. Not bad. Doesn't sound bad. Not bad. But the kicker. $2,000 in fees for wow. four people to fly on that. It's an okay option. Let's let's move on from this one, though. It's it's nice. It exists, right? Like, we can get there, and it's cheaper than <laughs> cheaper than taking a picture of a bird. This is a pretty bird. Does anyone know? I'm going to... What a, what kind of bird is this? It's a black and white crow-looking... It's, it's pretty. Lisa is Sorry. riveted by this conversation. <laughs> all right, so Dallas to Madrid... There's none available there at all. There's just no availability. Maybe it's too early to book. It's probably just none, though. We're just stonewalled with Virgin on these routes. Okay, we're moving on. 
Let's check on the British Airways option. So this is going to be a partner award like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. We're going to be looking for not a British Airways flight. Mm -hmm. We're going to be looking to spend British Airways miles to book us on a different airline. So That's you're logging into... We're logging into British Airways, uh -huh. which we are choosing to use because we can transfer our chase points that we have to there ah. and spend British Airways miles. That's why we're going to look there But first. you can search for the partner flights through British Airways online. Correct. Correct. Okay. Exactly. So... Okay, so we're logging in real quick, uh, booking this flight, June 14th to July 10th, just like we said before, to Madrid. No stopovers or else it's going to force us through London, which means it'll be on a British Airways-operated flight, which means huge fees, so we're just going to answer no to that question. Um, please wait, we're checking availability. We won't be long. All right. Oh, here we go. Okay, okay. Wow. All right, let's go off peak for both, so we're just going to move that last one back to July 9th. 46,250 avios plus 226.55 in fees per person. That's not bad. Not bad. So 185,000 round trip, a little more expensive points wise for the last one, but the fees are only $906. Sweet. Best option so far, I think. And it's really easy to book these on British Airways. I think I remember there being like a transfer bonus for Chase right now. Like last time I logged Two in. British let me, Airways? Yeah, yeah. Let me check. Let me check. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Do, 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 do. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. 30% bonus between August 28th and September 22nd. So like right now. Ooh. So that brings the point cost down to like 140K. So they're saying if That's you transfer awesome. your chase points to British Airways, you're getting extra points. Yeah, you're getting 30% more. So if you That's transferred awesome. 1,000, you'd actually get 1,300 British Airways points. And 10,000 would be 13,000, et cetera. Not bad. So, Okay. I didn't know they did that. So just doing that math. Okay, 143,000 points instead of 185,000. So you transfer 143,000 chase miles and you'd get 185,000 British Airways points. That's perfect. I mean, that's the one I think. Leaves June 14th. It's an overnighter so then to Madrid. You can hang out, see Madrid, and then go to Barcelona. Bingo. Bingo. Wow. Return July 9th on a nonstop. You got a couple of days at the end to enjoy Athens and then fly back. That's awesome. The fees aren't perfect, but they're not bad. Okay, so, and I think it's important to note that there's no too early to book these things, mm -hmm. right? Generally, you'll hear this thing like you should book an international trip like three months before you want to go and domestic like six weeks. First of all, both of those are incorrect pieces of information, generally. And second of all, when it comes to award flights, you just want to book them as soon as you're sure. Especially if you know, if you know where you want to go and your dates generally and you have those points, those those award points aren't really going to fluctuate so much as like cash flights are going to fluctuate. Yes. So we've booked award point flights six months, even a year in advance sometimes. And because they're booked with awards and miles, they're a lot more flexible. So if anything should change, you could cancel and hopefully get your points back. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I think that's the one that I would go that's with. Exciting. But I, but I want to check out the Singapore Airway flights just to see if it exists. I'm just, I'm too curious just to, to see not. if they serve uh, Singaporean noodles on this flight <laughs> right, too. Right. To, to Manchester. <laughs> that would be incredible. Okay, so Houston to Manchester, log into Singapore Airways, blah blah blah. Okay, search that on the same dates. Well, sure, there it is. It's only five dollars and sixty cents as fees. That's awesome. per person. Yeah. What? What okay. is the points? Oh. So there's more fees on the return flight. The flight out is very cheap, but the way back is not. Still, Singapore Air is really nice. There's no transfer bonus. This would just cost flat out 200,000 chase miles to do. Which is 
but this is a really right. nice airline. Yeah. Like, I think you would have a well, better experience on you, this. You're paying less out of pocket for the fees, right? Because yeah. the other one was nine hundred something. Yeah, yeah, and this would still be like I don't know. This, ah, man, or or just looking at this, you could fly live flat business for eighty one k and just leave your kids behind. Oh no! <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, kids. We want you on this cruise. Just kidding. You were a college student once too, dude. If I could have flown live flat ever, I would have been so bougie. That's a crazy flight to fly from USA to Europe. It's Singapore then, Airways so to Manchester. So you get to explore Manchester, and then you would probably end up just taking what a budget flight yeah. from Manchester, or they would just basically be taking a one way flight from Manchester to Barcelona. Right. Probably some kind of Ryanair flight. Yeah, I'm right. Ryanair, or maybe like Air Europa, yeah. or something like that. Let me just take a look what that would cost in June 14th, June. or June like you know 17th or whatever. Yeah. A couple nights in Manchester. Hey, looking pretty good. So like 73 U.S. dollars to get from Manchester to Barcelona. I mean, Ryanair, you're definitely <laughs> going to be paying for baggage. Yeah. Um, but that would but work. That's pretty that would work. good. That's pretty good. That would work. And plus, you get to see Manchester. I think between the two of them... I mean, Madrid sounds cool. Madrid sounds, <laughs> I think, better because you'd be able to take the train for like yeah. 50 bucks from there all the way to Barcelona. You wouldn't have to worry about getting on another flight. Yes. Beautiful train ride. You can take as much stuff country. as you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So the two main options here are one, this Dallas to Madrid, Madrid flight on Iberia using British Airways miles to book it that we transfer from Chase. Costs 143,000 Chase points. We transfer them to British Airways. That turns into 185,000 British Airways miles. Their current bonus. Plus the $800 in booking fees. Not bad for four people to get there and back. Not bad on a nonstop flight. And then this other kind of cool one, this Houston to Manchester flight on Singapore Airlines for some reason, which is really <laughs> cool. 200,000 chase points transferred directly to Singapore Airlines, booked for 200,000 with about the same amount of fees, but you'd have a nicer airline experience. And then taking a hopper probably from Manchester to Barcelona. This is this is just a taste of, you know, what the the miles and points credit card churning business gets you into. I mean, it it can definitely, I don't know, for me it gets overwhelming real fast. I appreciate you. Thank you for doing a lot <laughs> I of love this math. It. It's so fun. Thank you for that very very specific question. Obviously, we love going deep into this and we've heard a lot of you say that, you know, like credit card miles and points aren't really a thing from where you are like if you're in Europe or Australia. We hear you, and hopefully for those of you that still have points or miles with any of these places, regardless from what country you're in, this is helpful or beneficial in thinking about how to use your miles or your points. And if it isn't, ask us a travel question down below, and we'll tackle your question next. Yes, I love these specific questions. Please keep them coming. Speaking of planning, though, I came across this really interesting Insider.com article <laughs> oh, yeah. um, about these mystery trips. and. I guess for those of you that don't know, it's very common now or on trend for people to pay a travel agency to book a surprise or mystery trip for you. People are paying travel agents to send them on idea. mystery trips. So they don't know where the destination is until the day of departure. Now, I, I, on the one hand, when I first heard about this, I was like, well, a lot of YouTubers do this, right? Like, yes, theory. There are a lot of YouTube videos that say like, I surprised, I think he, we even made one, I surprised my husband on and planned the entire day, right. the entire day in Thailand, etc. But I'm kind of curious, um, this is apparently becoming more and more common for people that don't really want the planning aspect of travel. They just want someone else to do it for them. 
but they also want some spontaneity. So yeah. there are a bunch of companies now, Journey, Guess Where Trips, The Vacation Hunt, Pack Up and Go, Surprise Me Trips. They're just a handful of these companies um, that that plan a trip for somebody. You You tell the travel company, when you want to go, what kind of trip you want to go on, like a relaxation trip, an adventure trip, and they they just do the rest for you and you just show up. Amazing. You have no idea. And you make it to the airport and you don't know where you're going. You have they no just like idea. hand you the sealed envelope I and mean, say, get yeah. on this plane. I'm so curious. <laughs> I mean, you could ruin the surprise for yourself by like, you know, by looking up when they're why? telling you to get to the airport. But yeah. I think that would be really cool. And also, you'd have to be in probably a different financial position than yes. most people are to make this choice to just like spend a bunch of money and be like, I don't care where I go because I go on vacation so often that I just, you know, send me anywhere. I yeah. don't care. I mean, it, the, uh, to me, it's at first I, when I think of it, I think, well, that's got to be pretty expensive, but you can also tell these companies what budget you're working with, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but it, it sounds kind of enticing. They say, they build you a surprise itinerary. They send you over a packing list, which is awesome because that would be my fear. Like not knowing where I'm going, mm. what am I packing Swimsuit for? or parka. Like yeah. which one am I bringing? <laughs> do you think you would go? I would absolutely do that. I think that would be super fun. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like my worries would be that they would put me on a bunch of tours Yes. You know, yeah. and those, I really don't like going on these like prepackaged tour things. I, I would be worried about that, but. I mean, the whole thing is kind of a tour though, right? right? Cause right. they plan the itinerary for you. Yeah. That's maybe it's a- like control issues that I have <laughs> that this <laughs> would be, that this would be difficult for me <laughs> to mm. go on. But I think the idea of it is super fun. It would be hard for me to not feel like I could optimize in mm. some way or like I could save money in some way. Again, control yeah. issues, maybe. But it would be hard for me to like not be involved in that process. The people that are like most excited about this, it seems, are people that just get decision fatigue. I mean, obviously Mm. traveling in itself is a luxury and a privilege for all of us. Yeah. But it's a very it it does take work, right, to plan a trip not only for yourself, but for other people. And the decisions, every minute decision you have to think about and go through is something that I think a lot of these people are hoping to get rid of by going on these mystery trips. I can especially see how on a group trip this would be a lot of fun if everybody was on board with this kind of mystery surprise vacation because then you don't have to take the blame for like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like I didn't it's, I didn't book this place man I didn't, it's <laughs> raining you didn't tell me to pack a raincoat or like you didn't tell me we had to walk five miles to this viewpoint you know like right. you you put it back on to the the travel agency that said hey surprise we're doing this right right and and I I do see that cool I do see that like value add of saying like just send me on a sweet beach vacation mm. I don't care where or how here's like $5,000 just send me and my family to a beach somewhere for two weeks. And that's all that I, that's, that's the most amount of input I want into this. I think that would be pretty cool. And then also the moment of arriving to the airport and then opening up the thing and be like, we're going to Barbados. That sounds, yeah. That's, or you'd be like, I am not excited about the, (laughs) why did they send us here? I mean, it would be one or the other, but I have to go in. You have to go into it with an open mind. Right. I mean, I'd be curious about them sending us to a place that's like somewhere that I'd never thought to go before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or I'd, I'd never imagined. And that, that would be a fun adventure, I think. But I do, it kind of, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about 
a couple podcasts ago, like how we decide where we travel to, we kind of generally think about budget first, yes. but then think about what type of vacation, what kind of vibe you're going for and let the Google Explore tab do the magic. <laughs> right. Or Scott's cheap flight. Would you do this? Would you sign up for this or not? Would this be like a thing you'd want to do? I think, yes. I think the Lisa now, it's so funny because do you remember when we first started dating, we were like two months into dating and I think you called me and you said, hey, what are you doing on January, I don't know, 13th for the weekend? It was a long weekend. And I was like, I don't know. I don't have plans. Let's do something. And he was like, do you have a passport? And I immediately freaked out. I mean, I had she a passport. She definitely thought I was going to kidnap her. I was like, what? Wait. And, but I just wanted but, to take her on a nice surprise romantic <laughs> vacation. It was just, it was such an early on. I mean, I think we were only one month into dating. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm into this. But like cautiously, I remember, I think I asked you to send the itinerary to my best friend and roommate yes. at the time. <laughs> Just to like let her know someone else knew where we were going at all times. That was my control thing. I just was like, yes, I'm open to adventure. Asterisk, I want us to be safe. <laughs> right, right. So, yes, I did have to get permission from her roommate, which was so romantic. <laughs> but, but I do remember thinking at the time the main concerns were, what am I going to pack? Am I mm. going to a cold weather destination? Am I going to a warm weather destination? And I think we ended up. We ended up going along the Pacific Coast Highway, which was a great, yeah. great road trip. My original plan was Mexico. <laughs> that was my original plan was to go to Cancun. That's where we would have ended well, up. I know. Was and that the, a resort in Cancun? And Lisa now is like I just want you to know what you were missing out on, you know, not to make you feel well, bad. We went, but it would have been pretty cool. Well, we went to Mexico. It would have been pretty cool. In, in the future, in the current. <laughs> but yes, I. so I, I think the short answer is I would be, I would be into it. Mm -hmm. I think now, now having been on the other side, and doing all the travel planning and doing all the traveling with family and friends, I see the benefit of of this and I would be open and we would be into a surprise trip. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. It would be like trying from a perspective of not having any control over the planning portion of it, which I love planning trips. Yeah. Right? And but I think it would also be interesting to go on one of these things and have zero input into any of it. Yeah. And I think that would be like good for me mentally i think that would be like a good challenge for me mentally and it would also be very fun i love to... that that yes i want to go on a relaxing surprise trip it'll be good and challenging for me yeah, but only if i choose where we relax and then we can relax as hard as we possibly can okay let's move on to you guys trying to stir the pot up in our Ooh. lives here let's move on to this oh my goodness okay so, uh, Sherry Tina 2000 says, what are the pros and cons of traveling with T and Chevelle? The one pack wanders are good friends, right? So for so those <laughs> of you that don't know, uh, we first met T and Chevelle in Greece, I think Santorini, we yeah. were traveling around the same time and we ran into each other on, on that faded day when we were walking along what, I, what's the famous walk? Uh, the the walk to Oya to Ia, yeah, all the yeah, way on yeah, the northwest side. And ever since then, we've traveled, I think, to six countries together. Yes, which has been pretty incredible. Um, they're they're very famous YouTubers. Check yeah. their channel out here. Okay, so I would say generally, traveling with T and Chaveo is awesome. Yes, for a bunch of different reasons. One of the biggest ones is that we both understand the schedule of YouTubing <laughs> and we both understand what it takes to make these videos. Mm. And we both kind of understand what that what that world looks like. 
So that way we can not really, we, we automatically understand what each other's boundaries are. And that if they say, hey, we're just going to spend the next 10 hours sitting here editing. We're not like, oh man, like, oh. I want to go out and do this. But we like, we get it because we have to do the same thing more often than not. So yes. we, just, we understand how that fits into this bigger trip that we have. So that doesn't like ruin our days. And also we travel on basically the exact same budget. Which is actually really liberating and freeing. Like I I think any time you travel, you know they say to travel with your partner, travel with other people before you decide to like get married, for example. Or really traveling with somebody is when you really get to know someone. And and budget is always one of those things that I'm most afraid to reveal about myself when we're traveling because we are very, very thrifty, very frugal. Yes. And I think not to say that we're on the same page about every single category, but in general, mm-hmm. because T and Shavio and we are all budget travelers, it makes it makes the decision making very easy. We we know generally where we want to go. We know if we want to go out to eat or if we're eating in, we're kind of gonna be on the same page budget wise. For sure. So I don't know. They're they're some of our best friends. Yes. We love these guys. They we love are these guys. Genuinely yes. really good, good, good people. And we we text and chat all the time and I don't know, we miss them a lot. And it's been fun to it's been fun as we've been traveling to like see them in places and specifically plan places based on where we we all were in the world. I don't I can't think of any like I probably Probably in the very beginning when we were first starting to travel together, like Mm -hmm. when we were in Thailand, was when we were still figuring out our YouTube lives, their YouTube lives, and how we all meshed together. It was really fun to travel together, but it became apparent for both of us, I think, that we couldn't always film at the same time. Yeah, we couldn't film the same thing or make the same videos, right? And kind of at that point in time, we kind of... We're making very, I would say now we're making very different yes, videos yeah. in very different styles. At that point in time, the difference I think was less stark than yeah. it is right now. And I wouldn't even say. And we're just say, filming over the top of each other yeah, <laughs> around each other. I wouldn't even say it was a con. It was more just a like adjusting to what our regular schedules were and what their regular schedules were and figuring out when we could all just hang out and not film mm-hmm. or not work. And And I would say probably that's like traveling with anyone else you know when we're traveling with family or with friends there are some things that you just have to kind of adjust to over time whether it be budget whether it be pace um vibe you know things that you want to see and do Mm -hmm. that initial period probably was when we were trying to figure that out and now I don't know. It's so easy to travel yeah. together. Yeah, it's so easy. I think this is a good question in general, though. Like, what's it like to travel with anybody that isn't like your partner or someone that you're used to seeing on a daily basis? Right. right? Travel compatibility is a rare thing. It's, it's super, rare thing. super challenging. And yeah. I feel lucky that we we met T and Chaveo at the time that we did because we were all kind of around. Like, we were all kind of. We, I think we started our trip at the very same time. They mm-hmm. they left their home in July. We left in July. We happened to be in the same area, and we were all doing this YouTube thing and very new at it. Mm-hmm. So we bonded in that way. Um, but it is a very special thing to, like, find, one, people that you're you're on par with, like, you're on the same page with. It's very rare, like you said, to find travel compatibility on hobbies, things that you want to do, sightseeing. 
budget, but then also what line of work that you're in. Yeah, yeah. To have all that in common is like impossibly rare, yeah. right? It's so cool. I think in general, like this larger question though of like what's it like th to travel with them and mm. just with friends or family or other people is very interesting. Mm. Because I do think travel compatibility is a very real thing. A very rare thing. And hard to like know. Like we've all been on trips where you go on a trip with someone. You're like, nope, definitely can't travel <laughs> with work. them. Uh -uh. Definitely can't live with them ever again. And and I, I don't know. What do you think? And it happens right away too. Like you notice it yeah. immediately. Like maybe even on the flight over, you're like, oh no, like this is gonna be a disaster <laughs> and it's hard to just pinpoint the few things like it's not quite a checklist i don't want to say there's like a checklist of items sure but i think it's generally just a feeling or a personality thing you when you know you're able to travel with someone or you're not i think if you're looking to figure out if like you're going to be travel compatible with somebody else i think you got to figure out who's going to do all the planning or can you, but could you collaborate? Because yes. they're also collaborating. Or if they're going to collaborate with you, or if you just want to be like, you handle all that and then I'll take care of it. But I think the key is that everyone has to have a job mm. in the trip that you're doing. You can't just have one person do all the things yeah. and then yeah. everybody else just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Everybody's got to have a job, whether it's like you pick out all the hotels and then it's your two jobs to find all the flights and then you're going to figure out the rental someone's car. Someone's cooking or someone's yeah. finding the restaurant. Everybody's got to have a value add. Everyone's got to bring something to the table for the trip. And I think some of the biggest problems in trips that I've been on where it falls apart immediately and people just argue the whole freaking yeah. time route is when somebody has way more jobs than other people That's and then true. they just start arguing because they feel like you know like one person's has to take care of everything so the whole thing's on them and then everyone just blames that person if something goes wrong and then the whole thing just disintegrates underneath them i think it's finding i think it's finding that right collaboration yeah between everyone or just truly if you say you take care of it and then somebody else tries to like micromanage them and their solution that they found or tries to offer a different one in the middle of them trying to like do the thing that you told them to do. I think that causes a lot of, a lot of problems as well. Yeah. I do think it, it requires a lot of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I think for both parties, whoever is traveling together to realize this is the kind of person that I am. This is the kind of person that I am. We're going to do this together let's be honest and transparent about it so we can work together yeah. otherwise i think yeah it it it, it uh, could go wrong yeah and i think it's weird but it either it fits or it doesn't yeah you know like there's very rarely times if you get into a bad trip that you're going to be able to like talk your way back to it being a good one yeah you know like it just sometimes it just doesn't work out and that's okay and honestly at that point i think it's best to just like split up and like, mm -hmm. just go your separate ways and then maybe meet back up at the end and you'll probably be best friends after and be like, have all these stories to tell each other. But I think to force a trip together with people that don't get along is yeah. super not enjoyable for anyone. It, but it's so, it's so interesting because you don't know until you try it, right? Like sure. a lot of people don't really know until they travel together that they can or they cannot do it. And and that that's interesting to me, which is why I think now I'm starting to understand why people say, take a trip with your future partner before you decide to get yes. married because it's a great it, compatibility a of, test. Yeah, yeah. in a lot of like ways it's similar to partnership because sacrifices are involved, right? If someone wants to go do this thing, but the other person doesn't, you have to like be willing to compromise. Collaboration 
involved in every single thing that you do budgeting. on the trip. Budgeting, yes. Future. Some people are future planning. Some people are very, very not into that. Yep. How yeah. good you are at taking like the other person's perspective mm. on things of like, oh, they're probably not going to be comfortable with spending $100 on this meal. So I'm going to find us something, even though I really want to do it. Yeah. That's okay. Like keeping this trip together and on a good course is more important than me getting this one meal for really expensive that I know the other person doesn't yeah. have enough money for or whatever. No, this is an interesting question. It's like the first time that I actually thought about why people always used to recommend going on a trip with your future partner yeah. before you decide to get married. And I I don't know, I never really bought into it because I wasn't a big traveler. I didn't travel that much. But now I now that like this question is helping me realize, yeah, there are a lot of parts about travel that applies to partnership mm -hmm. and what makes a good trip is oftentimes the like compromises the sacrifices but also the collaboration to make it work yes and i think Whoa. and i think that for us on that first trip that we went on like everything just worked yeah. we like we saw all of the money stuff the same way we saw all yeah. of the pacing stuff roughly the same way yeah. we saw like the type of hotel choice we'd want to make the same way and We've I of course still gotten fights though. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, As I think do. that that's natural or a light <laughs> planning disagreements. But LPD. And if there were any LPDs, light planning disagreements, <laughs> we would just talk about it yeah. openly and it was like a momentary like who's going to talk about it first and then once we talked about it, we were all just like able to adjust like we talked about mm -hmm. there. Yeah, because uh if you see a light planning disagreement like you feel that kind of energy in the trip of like maybe we didn't do the right thing or maybe this feels like they're a little stressed out or we're a little stressed out or whatever. If you just talk about it right there, it just ends. You just, you yeah. solve the problem right there. But if you leave it and you ignore it or you just try to like push past it or whatever, then the light planning disagreement, the LPD turns into a HPD, Ooh. a heavy planning disagreement. And those generally are just straight up arguments when you're traveling because mm -hmm. everyone's tired and jet lagged and stressed out and there's money on the line. And it could <laughs> turn into a blowout planning disagreement. Yes. yes, those are the worst kind. Nobody wants those. Okay, that is it for today's Travel Support Thursday. Please, please, please put your questions down in the description below. We'll answer them next. Be as specific as you want to be with your questions and we will answer them as best we can. See you then. See you next time.